your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. All right, Dr. Chad Walding, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show podcast. Uh, what's up, Anthony, dude? So good to be here, man. <laughs> Great to have you, brother. So today you are a transformation expert. You help people through better eating movement patterns, better ways of thinking, how to align their thoughts, feelings, and words to, to more effectively create the reality that, that they're after. But 12 years ago, you're in a very different place. Take us back and kind of give us your backstory on, on where this all started for you. <laughs> yeah, well, 12 years ago, I was a completely different person than I am today. I was, um, I was in physical therapy school and, you know, learning about what I, what I was told to learn about from conventional healthcare. And I was doing an internship in Houston, Texas at a hospital. And this hospital was, and still is, world renowned for its treatment and heart disease. And <clears throat> when I was working there, I was looking around kind of observing the whole situation. And on the very first floor of this hospital that's world renowned for its treatment heart disease was a McDonald's. And it felt so, it felt icky to me at that time. And this is before I knew about nutrition, but I was always into fitness because I was an athlete in college and fitness was the thing that kind of kept me going. But that just did not feel right to have a McDonald's at the same spot as a, as a hospital that was treating heart disease. So, you know, I would, I would treat patients and uh, do physical therapy with them, people who had just gotten out of heart surgery, and they would ask me to go down, to take them down to McDonald's to get food. And it felt, I, I felt so wrong. And I would go down there and look at, look at McDonald's and the people that were in there, and I would see health professionals everywhere. And no judgments, but my observation was that these, these people were obese and that they were falling down the, the same path um, that their patients were. And it just, it made me sad. It, it made me so confused. So I, I felt, I felt kind of out of place in many ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and once I got out of physical therapy school, the, you know, in physical therapy school, they said, whatever you do, don't go work with a chiropractor. They're wrong. So that's the first thing I did is go work with a chiropractor. And, uh, you know, I, I started treating people with back pain and neck pain. And I would hear their stories and how they were kind of brought up in a, in a world where they were told to mask that pain and to take, you know, pain relievers and injections and steroids so they wouldn't feel that pain. And all of a sudden something will get worse and it would pop and bust. They would have to have a surgery that would cost a lot of money and didn't always go so well. And I would just kind of notice that with my patients. And of course I was learning different things in, in chiropractic world and in the movement world and physical therapy that there's different ways of dealing with problems and in terms of getting to the root issues and addressing that. And then, um, Things really changed for me, though, when I started doing home health, because I did home health for about a four or five year period. And, and what's home health? 
So home health is, is when you go treat people who do not have the strength or energy uh, to go outside of their home to a clinic and okay. get physical therapy. A lot of these people have just had surgery or they're dealing with some disease, you know, so <clears throat> I would go home to home and, and treat these people and give them physical therapy. And a lot of these people had heart disease, cancer, you know, very, very serious cases of diabetes, uh, morbid obesity, uh, you know, m- multiple sclerosis, all kinds of, of issues that we don't really see uh, because these people don't go outside. Like, but I would go into their homes and I would see what that environment was like. I would see, I would smell it. I would notice the foods they were eating. I would notice the, the things they were watching on TV. And, uh, you know, I also observed those same healthcare professionals who often, and there's again, no judgment, but very unhealthy, very obese themselves coming in and giving their patients medications. And I would look over and see a counter full of processed and refined and fake food. And that's when I, at this point I was like pulling my hair out. But, uh, at the same time, while I was going door to door treating these patients, I was in my car listening to podcasts, listening to audio audiobooks. So I would listen to everybody who was talking about health. You know, Rob Wolf, Chris Kresser, at that time, Jimmy Moore, Sean Croxton. I would listen to things about where disease comes from, uh, what's happening in our food supply, how it's affecting us in every which way. And I became fascinated by it all. And I, I just learned more and more and started attending seminars and, uh, you know, became a coach. I eventually stepped away from all that and started, I opened up a holistic gym and uh, created an online platform to kind of help people understand what's really going on and get them out of that old conventional paradigm and to help them move forward uh, with their own health. And I've experienced this with my own life too, because I used to also eat these crappy foods. And uh, as I mentioned to you before uh, we we started this discussion, I used to, I was born with severe depression. Like there's no, there's no pictures of me smiling as a child, Uh, you know, severe alcohol and drug abuse growing up uh, in and out of psychiatry offices and for about seven years of my life, I, I thought of killing myself every single day. So in many ways, uh, I, was, I was a victim of that. And I, and, I, and I held that victim mentality for a long time of all of that that happened to me. But my worldview has completely changed in terms of what true health is. And I, and I mean that in every sense, like how we eat, how we move, how we think, you know, even the spiritual nature of it and who we are as consciousness all of that has, has, uh, has now been shown to me. And, I, and, and all I'm doing, doing now is keep, I just want to keep learning and keep sharing everything I'm learning so we can transform uh, humanity and society. Uh, that's great. So in you observing this in other people, were you seeing things that, that played, made a difference in you overcoming your own challenges with depression? Well, like, were these two, were these journeys that were happening in parallel? We were like, oh my gosh, all these people in severe pain or dealing with cancer or heart disease are eating processed junk or they, they literally can't leave their house. It's not like they don't leave their house. They're in such a dilapidated state of health. They can't leave their house. And, and you started seeing what impacted human health and started making changes or how, how were those processes intertwined? Uh, they were happening at the same time, you know, cause I, I was getting really into CrossFit, really into paleo and experimenting with all that. You know, my wife was the big reason why we got into a lot of that stuff was because she was having severe issues with her own health. Uh, there was a period where she was on disability for three months, uh, right after we got married, 
you know, and she was dealing with rashes and severe uh, problems, losing a lot of weight. And uh, she, she couldn't even go to work. So for us, it was like a life or death situation. And uh, yeah, going, <laughs> observing all that and experiencing it with myself, with my wife, um, kept me wanting to learn more and go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And like for, for people listening that, that don't know what you look like, I mean, you're in amazing shape now. You've got a ton of YouTube videos where you're, you're, you're a picture of health, um, but it hasn't always been this way. No. Yeah, no. And I, the, the biggest thing I, I want to kind of express here is I'm incredibly happy. I've never, I'm, I'm like, I smile ear to ear all the time. Like I'm, I'm, I love my life so much. I have so much gratitude and compassion for, for everything that's happened, but that was not me at all, uh, let's say right around 12 years ago. Well, actually about, about nine years ago. Um, every, and then everything changed for me. Um, what was the so first gonna, thing? Yeah. What was the first thing you changed? The first thing was the, was the food for sure. So I, you know, I started to, uh, get into that whole CrossFit paleo scene and I started changing my diet and I'll tell you where, where it led because I was very drawn to this man named James Fitzgerald. I don't know if you who he is, but he was the, the winner of the very first CrossFit Games. He started a blog and uh, he started posting his own workouts. And I was very fascinated by these workouts because it was just higher order thinking in terms of the programming and uh, dialing in energy systems. And, uh, you know, that was, that was very much a student of him and uh, became very disciplined on that blog. And it was attracting lots of other people who were, who were thinking and uh, wanting to explore that, that whole scene. But he had this recommended reads list. He was encouraging us to always read and grow and uh, become become better versions of ourselves. And he had this recommended reads list. And one of the things that he recommended was uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. And I I kept noticing that book and I find, well, whatever. I had not really explored anything spiritually at all at that point. And I was very much against religion. Uh, and my wife was very Catholic growing up. So we, <laughs> we had lots of, <laughs> lots of arguments, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but that, that book was drawn to me and, uh, and I, and I read it for the, well, I listened to it. Uh, and the first time I listened to it, it, it opened up dimensions in me that were not there before. And what the reason why I resonated with it so much was because Eckhart Tolle himself also struggled with depression. And he tells a story about uh, how one day he, had a radical shift in identity where he noticed the voice in his head. So you, you want to be like, what's the voice in my head? Like the thing that says, what's the voice in my head is the voice in your head. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I, I started noticing the own voice in my head and the story around it and the beliefs around it and the, uh, the way that it impacted my life. And I, I sort of just had a moment where I, you know, looking at it, just creating space around it and then getting with that space was like, oh, wow, what's going on out here? Like, who am I anyway? I don't even know, but I know I'm not that story. I know I'm not those thoughts. I know I'm not those old, old emotions. So that gave me a space to start creating new intentions for my life and a new, uh, a new world that I want to create for my wife and my family and my, everyone around me in this world, everything. So I started noticing my own ego, you know, how it operates and how it compares itself to others and, and makes situations in the right and wrong, how it's so attached to outcomes and all these things. And I I became so fascinated by it all. Um, and I kept going down that rabbit hole. I started meditating. Meditation has become a huge part of my life. I've never stopped and I never will. Um, spending time in nature and reflection, introspection has all become a big part of my life. I've done many seminars on personal growth and I continue to go down that rabbit hole. And um, 
And, and I sit in, in a circle of men, you know, where we, we share authentically what we're feeling and we check in with each other on, th- on matters of integrity, account- you know, accountability. Uh, we look at charges um, and we process and facilitate each other. And all of that has given me a profound awareness uh, of my life and, and I feel much more powerful. You know, I speak in a different way. I carry myself in a different way. And I have, uh, I have with that is so much love, man. <laughs> so much love for everything that's happened. I'm so grateful for my depression. I'm grateful for everything that's happened in conventional healthcare. I feel like we're transforming as a society uh, and people are waking up and we're, we're getting close to a critical mass. So, yeah. That, that's that. That's great. And I noticed like, I, I love paying attention to the words that we use and like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the language that, that you shared with that story ha- seemed like it was linked to awareness and detachment. And, you know, as you just said, waking up, like recognizing that, that you are not that voice in your head. Um, and, and that, you know, you can separate yourself from some of those negative thought loops. Um, for someone who's, who's struggling with maybe negative thought loops, um, is, it, is it something where do they start with food? Do they start with movement and nature? Do they start with meditation? Um, someone who's also listening and maybe struggling with low mood or anxiety or some of these, um, some of these other things that you've been able to overcome. Mm. Well, I think, I think it's possible to start with uh, all of those things, but if you do that, and I, and I think it is good to do that, so you bring in different things at once, but it all has to be very, 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 very simple because um, you, you can't do too much, and then all of a sudden it's too frustrating and there's too much to take in, and all of a sudden nothing happens. You, know? so mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, you can do all those things, but it has to be very simple. But if you're going to ask me where it all needs to start, no, no matter what, it is with an intention. Uh, an intention for your life. And I would say narrow the intention down for, to 90 days because if you, if you narrow your goals down to 90 days, they all of a sudden become much more achievable. You can almost see it and touch it. You know, it's in real time. So um, if, if you may, if I may, I'll, I'll tell you kind of how I approach intentions. If that's yeah, okay. I would, and I would love to know what your first 90-day intention was. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you that as well. Um, so, and this was, <clears throat> this was taught to me by uh, my teacher. Um, and again, I, just as I mentioned that, I just want to say that I think it's important um, that as a society, we come back to a teacher-mentor, um, you know, teacher-student kind of process. I think, I think it's very important. We've, we've lost that. We should always be a mentor to someone, and we should always be a, a student of someone. Um, I think it's very helpful. But I was taught how to create intention. So my, my intention is something I sat with by myself, um, sat in nature, really got down deep into my heart and, and felt into my intention about what's important to me and what it is I truly value and what I needed at this time to propel forward. So the way, the intention I came up with is I'm giving myself freedom of self-expression so I can remember who I really am and help others do the same. And I'll, I'll tell you that that's important for me because before I was not expressing myself because I was worried about what other people might think. So I kept quiet and nothing got done. There was no creation happening. And if there was, it wasn't authentic. It was always distorted in order to please others. You know, so it wasn't authentic. Um, <clears throat> but what I do, and this was taught to me, and this is what I recommend people do because it's very powerful, is you type out this intention or you write it out and put it on a piece of paper and put it on your mirror. And the first thing you do when you wake up is you 
go over to the mirror, you turn on the lights, and you look at those words, and then you close your eyes, and you feel the feelings of that intention. Just feel it with every bit of like aliveness in your body, from your hands to your toes to your breath. Have a vision for the feelings. Have a color. Have a, have a scenario in your life that you want to have happen. You know, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's having this really nice mountain cabin with my, my family and my wife and our, and our little golden doodle dog, and we're next to a lake. We don't have a, we don't have a girl yet, but that's, that's what the vision is. Um, that's where the, the intention wants to take me. So I, I visualize that, and I, I smile, and I feel the feelings. And when it feels right, I open my eyes again, and then I say the intention out loud directly to myself in my eyes. Like I look directly in my eyes, and I say it. And I just feel into that, and I breathe with it. And then when the time is right, I close my eyes again, and I go back to that vision I have and the feelings of that intention. And when, when that's done, I go directly into meditation. So the intention gets imprinted into my body and then I go and spend, spend time with myself in silence. And it, it's like it roots itself in my being. And then from that place, I, you know, I start my day <laughs> and then I go out and I start expressing myself. And, and, <laughs> and right after that, I mean, there's a, there's ideas coming in, you know, like I'll do a post or I'll, I'll write some creative or I'll do something on a video. Um, but I start expressing myself cause that's what the intention calls for. Um, but it's powerful. So that, that's the kind of thing I recommend that people do um, to start out. You know, if your goal is to, to lose weight, get clear on that. Like, why do you want to lose weight? Keep asking why. What, what is it? Why well, I want to lose weight so I can look good for my husband or my, you know, I'm going to look good for my wife. Well, why do you want that? Mm-hmm. What, is it, what is it that you really want? You want to be, you want to be seen. You want to be loved. You know, like keep going. Keep asking why. You'll get to the answer. You'll find your intention. For what it is you want to you want to create in your life, and then once you have it, put it on paper, put it on your mirror, look look at yourself in the morning, feel it, and then start feeling that. You know, because that you have to start feeling the feelings of what it is you want to create first, rather than waiting for it to happen. Like oh, I'm going to lose weight and then I'm going to start feeling good. You know, or like no no no, start feeling good now, start feeling good immediately, and then go lose weight then go do whatever you want to do, then go live your life, but feel those feelings right now. And you will raise your consciousness to that frequency. And then your reality will naturally start attracting that. It's not woo woo. It's like, it's it's like real. (laughs) It really is a thing. Um, so that's where I say, I say start. And with the the other things you're like, if, if if you're not doing an exercise program, just start walking, stand tall, look down the street, look at, look outside, look very far away, stand tall and start walking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you, if you haven't meditated before, just start with five minutes, start with two minutes, start with one minute, just sit up straight and start breathing, but find something that's attainable for you that you can achieve because those small wins are incredibly important because they, once you get that victory and then you do it again, you build momentum and then it's like a snowball effect. You just keep going and going and going and you're unstoppable. That's who you really are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Yeah. It's such, it's such good advice. And like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I want to dig into, but like you mentioned to keep asking why that's so important. Like that was something that was taught to me by one of, one of my friends and mentors, Russell Brunson, who is like, he's the founder of ClickFunnels and which is now, I don't know, probably more than a half a billion dollar company, but it's only a couple years old. And, um, 
he, he taught me the importance of like back when, you know, back when coaching and, and our mastermind was, was like the core of our business. Um, anyone that had applied, you know, we'd get on the phone with them and I'd have a conversation to see if it made sense for them and us. And a lot of times you'd see someone would hop on and they'd be like, yeah, I, uh, you know, like you mentioned in that example, I want to lose weight. And I'd ask why. And they'd be like, well, I don't know. I want to be healthy. And I'm like, you know, the, the first couple answers are like the, the shit that we're programmed to say, right? Yes. Like yes. on TV a whole bunch of times or the stuff that like, whatever it's, it's, it's those like low, uh, low cognitive investment responses that are just like, we're not actually thinking about it. We're just saying shit that we've heard other people say, you know, oh, oh like, oh, <laughs> you know, I want, I want I want to feel confident. Okay. But why do you want to feel confident? Oh, well, you know, and, you, and the more you ask why, the more you're able to get to the stuff that really matters, which is like the pain, right? Like the pain that, that you and I both have had, like I've, I've dealt with depression and anxiety and everything in between as well. And, um, and, and that pain is what fuels us. You know, that pain of me not being able to get out of bed was what drove me to really go deep into, into biohacking and, and, and learn stuff that I never would have learned if, if I wasn't in, uh, in so much pain physically and, and mentally and uh, emotionally. And, um, and then you also mentioned like the 90 day chunks. And I think that's huge too, because we don't write enough stuff down. And a lot of times our, our life can feel devoid of commitment. Um, there's so many options like, that, that we don't really commit to anything. And it's like, it's really easy to say like, Oh, I'm going to start CrossFit or I'm going to start going to yoga or this or that. But like, it's also just as easy to bail when you're like two weeks in or three weeks in or <laughs> a month in. And like, when you put something like a commitment and you write it down and, and you have a timeline where it's like, you know, I want to lose weight 90 days from now because I want my significant other to look at me the way they used to. Like they, like they, you know, want to rip my clothes off and, um, I want to feel that desire and that in the confidence that comes from knowing I look awesome naked. And, you know, we're like, our, our relationship is getting stronger at, rather than, you know, rather than having the fire slowly, um, slowly go out. And then you wake up every morning, you see that when you have 90 days and you know, when those 90 days are up, you're a lot more likely to stick with whatever habits you put in place to get you to your goal. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, we are what we repeatedly do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you just do it over and over again and new neural pathways get created and you become a new human. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is great. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the power of simplicity, starting with a 90 day intention, you've talked about how do you, how do you meditate? Well, I, I apologize. There's a truck driving by. <laughs> it's um, all good. So I've done, I've done many different meditations. Um, you know, what binaural beats, just sitting in silence, focusing on my breathing, using a mantra. Um, the one I'm doing now, however, is the most powerful meditation that I've ever done in my entire life. It's called, um, it's called breaking the mask. It's a Kundalini yoga meditation. And it was taught to me by my teacher. And he also told me not to teach anybody about it, but, uh, I haven't asked him, but I, I'm willing to tell you about it. If you, if you're open to that, um, how it works, cause it's a really powerful meditation. I would, I I would love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and tell it and I'll, I'll, I'll ask my teacher 
uh, <laughs> for permission later. <laughs> yeah. If we need, if we need to edit it out, we can always go back and cut and pull the clip. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> Anyone so, listening, keep this, keep this on the, on the lowdown. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's called breaking the mask because that's what it's, its intention is to do is to break down that act. You know, you mentioned that condition part of ourself. Uh, it's to let all that go and to, to remove it and to uh, have a new, new face of who you really are. Really, it's the, it's the original face. Um, so you, of course, like any other meditation, you want to sit upright, align your spine, you know, cross your legs or not, whatever, it's fine. Um, but what you do here is hold your hands in front of your chest and you connect your pinkies and your thumb and then you open your fingers. So your, your fingers are kind of like, your hands are in a, a lotus position, right? You put it right in front of your heart. And you in, it starts with you inhaling your breath a third of capacity, a third of the way there. And you hold your breath right there for seven seconds. And when you hold your breath, you don't hold it like you're closing your throat, you know, you just leave it open, but you're just trying to manage the breath at that, at that third level. And you can go a little above or a little below and that's okay, but just try to keep it at a third level. And once those seven seconds are up then you go to two thirds of the breath, two thirds of capacity, hold for seven seconds. And then you go all the way to full capacity, full inhalation, hold for seven seconds, and then you exhale, right? And you do that for 15 minutes, holding that posture. And then you, uh, for 12 minutes, you, still in that posture, you sing a song. Uh, it's a Kundalini yoga song. Uh, and it goes, Hara Ji, Hara Ha. It's like, Hara Ji, Hara Ha, Hara Ha, Hara Ji. And uh, <clears throat> you do that for 12 minutes. And then for five minutes, you, and Hara Ji, Hara Ha means, oh God, oh my God. Like, I love you, God. Um, and then you come back for five minutes and you do, uh, the, the same breathing technique again, where you inhale a third and the two thirds and the full, full, uh, capacity. So it comes out to, I believe 32 minutes exactly. And over time, and the first time I did this, it was very difficult, very, very difficult to, to manage my breath and hold it for seven seconds. I would come out of that full inhalation, like just breathe gasping for air. Um, but over time, once you get comfortable with seven seconds, you increase the amount of time that you hold your breath. So you go from seven seconds to nine seconds, nine seconds, nine seconds, then 11 seconds, 11 seconds, and you know, then 13. You, over time, you work your way all the way up to 20 seconds where you hold your breath for 20 seconds and you stay there for at least 90 days in order to fully break the mask. And uh, it's been powerful. I've, I've been doing it for uh, actually 180 days now straight. Oh, and wow. Every day. Uh, Every day, yeah. Yeah, haven't, haven't missed a day. Actually, I did miss one day, but that was due to time change going to Italy. Uh, <laughs> so as a, as nothing I could do about that. Uh, but yeah, every day. And uh, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's been profound in terms of managing my own energy, my own internal state. Um, you know, no matter the, the kind of the chaos going on around me, I feel my ability to stay calm has really, really improved in different ways, um, as well as my, I mean, being still, you know, um, there's, there's no thought in this because you're so focused on the breath and holding the breath and being with it that I feel like it shut that it shuts down the voice in the head very, very well, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, the singing part has also helped me because it's allowed me to 
like kind of kind of practice exercising my vocal muscles you know yeah. it's made me it's made me want to start singing a lot so you know i picked up the guitar again and uh, i've noticed my voice has changed i can hit different pitches and uh like when i speak and give presentations i seem to be a lot more effective so it's a for me it's, it's been a very powerful powerful meditation I, this is cool. And I want to make sure that I'm understanding because I was like kind of trying to do the hand thing along with you um, <laughs> and like making sure I'm going to actually let's I'm, I'm going to turn on the video for one second so that we can kind of oh. do this together. And then I'll I'm going to talk some of the uh, some of the listeners through it. Um, and then we'll kind of recap because there's a lot of moving pieces to that, but they're all really powerful and like have strong roots in the medical literature too, especially now, like with what we know about, um, you know, the, 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 the vagal vagal tone and like the vagus nerves and how singing and screaming and flexing can, can increase and improve vagal tone. And, and like for listeners who aren't familiar with, um, with the vagus nerves, they run on, you know, kind of like both sides of your heart up through the collarbone and can be thought of almost like a second nervous system. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that because we, ha- we don't have enough acute, you know, short term, but good stressors in our life, like we can slowly over time just lose that vagal tone. Um, and, and so there's, there's a lot of cool things going on here with this meditation. Let's start with the hands and I'll kind of try to describe what I'm doing as you show me. And um, mm-hmm. so that someone listening that only has audio can, can kind of do it along with us and have something really powerful. Yeah. So let me see if I can show you and I'm outside in my meditation spot. <laughs> so, uh, pinkies together. Okay. Thumbs together. And so then right here. Oh, okay. Nice. So it's almost, it's almost like you're, um, so you're basically just touching the pads of your pinkies and then is it the pads of your thumbs or is it the outside? Kind of the, yeah, the, the outsides right there. The yeah. sides, touching the yep. sides of your pinkies and the sides of your thumbs. And then it's, it's almost like you're holding a ball. Yes. Um, or, um, or doing like a, a goblet squat where you're holding, <laughs> yeah. holding, the, yeah. holding the dumbbell up at your chest and then for yep. anyone who's ever done a goblet squat, <laughs> meatheads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So we've got, we've got our pinkies and our thumbs touching and we're holding it at our chest. Okay, cool. And then, and then comes the, the inhale, right? So you said it's open mouth. Is this, this is through your mouth or through your nose? All through the nose. Yeah, all through the all nose. Through the nose. You in, yeah, inhale a third of the way. Okay. Down into the belly. Hold. Yep. Hold for seven seconds. And then inhale two thirds of the way. Hold for seven seconds. Inhale all the way. Full capacity. Hold for seven seconds. And then exhale. That feels good. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I feel like it does is it creates, um, kind of improves your, your map and breathing. You know what I mean? Like, you know how in, in, in the movement world, I, I always encourage people to do lots of different types of movements, lots of, you know, squatting, pushing, pulling, all that stuff, crawling, you know, unorthodox movements because it improves that neurological map. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like what that does, that meditation does, it does the same thing to the, uh, the vagal complex, right? Everything with, with the breathing, the diaphragm, the organs, you, you kind of 
touch on all that stuff and it wakes it all up in a way, which I feel is powerful. A lot of the, a lot of the Kundalini yoga meditations will do that. Um, there's weird ones too, like where you hold your nose here and like you put mm-hmm. your arm out here, but um, all of that's kind of really, really opened me up. I've become fascinated by it. Um, I love that. And then you had yeah. mentioned increasing your time. Is it, um, so like, what is it that we're working towards? Mm-hmm. 20 seconds. Time? So a yeah. 20 second hold at each one? Yes. Yeah. And so if, when you get, when you get to a 20 second hold, what that means is you take one breath a minute for 15 minutes. So it, it stills you down. Like it slows you down incredibly. Uh, the timer, there's a, there's a meditation app called insight timer that you can, uh, adjust the time. Like you can have a, a little audible tick or bowl or sound go off every seven seconds for 15 minutes. Um, and you'll have, you'll have to, it's, it gets a little tricky, but you can figure it out. You'll have to use like two timers in order to manage it. Yeah. Um, but then you can, you can do it for 15 minutes and then, um, you can have it stay silent for 12 minutes as you sing the song and have it start back up again at, uh, the 27 minute mark for five minutes. And what I'll do is I, I downloaded the song. Uh, it's, you know, it's called, uh, how to G how to ha, uh, or it's called how to G. But what I do is I, do you know how to spell that? Uh, yeah, I'll, hold on just a second. I'll, I'll bring it up. And, and you know what I, I can do also is, uh, we can put it in the show notes as well for the listeners. Yeah. It's H A R space J I. And I downloaded that song. It's uh, from iTunes. It's not on Spotify, but it's uh, by a man named Ram Singh, uh, S-I-N-G-H. <clears throat> so the other thing I did here is I, I also downloaded a 15-minute uh, silent track. And I put those two, in a, I put the silent track and the, and the Haji song in a playlist. So what, what I do is I start that timer, an insight timer, and then I immediately punch play on the playlist. So it, it begins 15 minutes of silence as the timer from insight timers is going. And then as soon as that first 15 minute period ends, the song Haraji starts from the playlist. And then as soon as that's, that is done and it's 12 minutes, the insight timer picks back up again with audibles. So the track itself is 12 minutes long or you loop it and have it play on repeat. The, the, the silent track is 15 minutes long and right. the song, yeah. And the song is, uh, 12 minutes long. And then once it's done, I don't, I don't play it anymore because it just naturally stops. And then the inside timer picks back up again. Okay. So we're at, with those two things, we're at, 27 minutes and then you were talking about where's the other five five minutes of going back to the breathing at the end (sighs) yeah and there's two other parts of this there's a beginning uh before before i even started um i i sing out loud om namo guru dev namo and i do that three times and it's like, oh, 
So I do that three times. And then when it's done, I sing uh, or I say out loud, may the long time sun shine upon you, all love surround you. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going blank now. Um, I'll come back to this. I'm, I'm, I'm all of a sudden blank. Cool. It's like, no, it's, it's, like, it's like I'm outside of my rhythm. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's all good. So um, you've, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, I, I went on to one extreme where it was all like brand new tech and gear and gadgets and biohacks. And then, you know, you start realizing, well, there are a lot of benefits to doing cold plunges in like, natural bodies of water and, and, and it can even produce more, a more profound effect than cryotherapy. And it's, it's free, you know, and there's, there's a lot of wisdom that is woven into these habits, meditations, even, you know, we look at Kundalini yoga and, and that as a, a form of exercise, these things that have stood the test of time. Mm. Um, and you tried this, and have done it for half of a year, every single day, right? So it's clearly doing something for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't spend 32 minutes a day doing it. What's the biggest, the biggest benefit that you've experienced, e- either in, a, in a, something tangible that's changed in your life, in your state? Um, if, if you were really to attribute one thing to this meditation, what would it be? It's, it's the ability to manage my internal state, to control the energy within my body and to carry that with me no matter where I go. So like if I go to a, a room and everyone's like crazy and like, you know, kind of, let's say, let's say lower, not, no judgment, but like they're kind of operating in the world of like shame and guilt and anger, fear, all that. I have trained. We've all, my- we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As, as have I. <laughs> I, I, I was there my whole life, <laughs> uh, but I have trained my body to uh, hold a higher frequency in that space. Right. So and you're less, you're less impacted by other people. I, yeah. I have a strong shield. You're more right? of a, you, be, you become almost more of a, um, what's the word? Like, like a radio, uh, like, like you're, you're transmitting rather than just shifting with everybody else's transmission. Exactly. And, it, and <laughs> like, I'm, I'm learning how to hold space for people, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and what I notice around that is that the people around me will come up, right? Mm-hmm. They will, they will come up with me because I'm not, I'm not feeding into the game, the games of, shame, guilt, fear, anger. I'm not feeding into that. I I love them anyway. I unconditionally love them anyway because I totally get why they're feeling that way. All I do is just hold that space within myself of calmness that that the meditation has trained me. And uh, and, and, and they end up coming up with me. Um, And and the meditation is one way to do it, but you mentioned the colon plunges as as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's another thing I do every morning after I do the, the intention. Um, between the med- the intention and the meditation, I will take a, a cold shower, um, typically anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes, depending on kind of how I'm feeling. But when I go take the shower, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to surrender to it. I'm trying mm. to relax. I'm trying to, you know, I, there's, there's like the brain wants to like hesitate a little bit and not step in the cold shower. So I try to do it anyway. And like mm-hmm. when I'm in there and it's really cold, especially like right now when we're changing seasons, 
um, I try not to flinch. I try, I try to relax my body and stand tall and accept it and take it and breathe with it. So what I'm doing there is training my, my internal state in the same way that I'm doing meditation to be able to uh, hold a higher frequency no matter the external stimulus around me. And it's profound. It, it's, it's, it's so profound. And like, I mean, when you gave that example of, of the cold showers, um, I mean, cold plunges is like last winter back in Chicago, probably did like 100, <laughs> 150 cold plunges. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk with people and they assume that these things like that you're just more disciplined or that you have more willpower. And a lot of people are surprised when I tell them like every single time, I'm going to do a cold plunge. I feel the hesitation. I feel the fear and trepidation. And like, I'll even catch myself almost like trying to delay or, you know, like put it off, like taking a really long time to grab my stuff and head to the water. Um, but there's this muscle, whether you want to call it a disciplined muscle or a willpower muscle that gets worked out when you feel that stuff and you do it anyway. Mm. <laughs> yep. and, um, and, and a huge sense of like, I'm, I'm sure you've had this where like there was something that you either weren't going to do or you didn't want to do, but you knew it would be good for you. And then you do it, you feel like unstoppable afterwards, like, totally. like Superman. It's real. It's incredibly empowering. But at the other end, you know, when we tell, when we tell ourselves we're going to go get to, you know, get a workout in, in the morning and we don't, it erodes, it, it eats at us and it erodes yes. our confidence and our belief in ourself. And like, it, it's, it's the same as lying to yourself. You know, you say, I'm going to do this and then you don't do it. Um, and, and, and then we're like, we, we wonder how we can get ourselves into a position where we're not feeling confident. We're not feeling like, you know, like we have the level of belief we would like to have in ourselves, but it starts with little, little things like this, like getting cold and doing the hard thing and getting uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Have you heard, you're probably familiar with that custom auto quote, you know, that custom auto would say he's a, he's Mike Tyson's original coach, No, but he would say the, uh, <clears throat> the hero and the coward, both feel the same thing. They both feel fear. The difference is that the, the coward runs and hides uh, and, the, and the hero feels the fear and steps in the arena anyway. And the, the hero goes on and lives a great story and the coward keeps hiding in his cave. It's, it's so powerful. I like that. I got, I got like half goosebumps on my <laughs> I want full goosebumps, baby. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about, we've talked about how the food was kind of your foundation. You started noting, I mean, was the biggest thing, what, what was it? Was it cutting grains and dairy and alcohol? Were you drinking? Um, what yeah. was adding things back in food wise? What made the biggest difference? Yeah. So I, I did like a, a classic strict paleo approach where, you know, it's, it's no grains, no legumes, no dairy. And I still eat this way. Uh, you know, quality animal based proteins, uh, lots of, lots and lots of vegetables, good fats like coconut oil. I do grab a little bit of grass fed butter, uh, olive oil. Um, do you do and, the, uh, the, the butter coffee? 
I used to. I used to. But what I found for me is that it was just a little too much uh, fat in my digestive system. And I, I, I do my, my workouts in the morning, and I really like to go in there fasted, like completely empty. Me too. And I just, I didn't, I didn't like even the fat in there. Uh, every now and then, if I'm going to like not eat all day, uh, I may have um, a bulletproof type coffee, but I don't do it as much. I don't do like the full teaspoon and, and ta- or the tablespoon of, of uh, coconut oil and butter because I still feel like it's too much. I, I do like a mm-hmm. teaspoon. Yeah, me too. Um, I've never, never really got into that. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, yeah. So no grains, legumes, dairy. Were you a drinker back when you were feeling kind of... Oh, oh shit, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, so I, <clears throat> I used to drink a lot, like a lot. I mean, and not like, I mean, I would go to the, I would go to the edge a lot. You know what I mean? Like that's what I did in high school. That's what I did in college. And after college, I would drink until I could not drink anymore because I would pass out. That's the kind of drinking that I would do. Uh, and then once I started to, uh, have this shift, all of that just went away. Uh, I was so crazy. Like there was, there was no like intervention. There was no going to AA. It was, it just, it just stopped. I had no desire. Like I just started looking at alcohol in the same way. And I was like, I don't, I don't even want to do that anymore. It's not resonating with me. And I, I would occasionally, you know, have a glass of wine around uh, holidays and we go on vacation in Italy and I would have some, some wine, but, uh, I'm at a point now where I, I I have no desire to drink at all. I, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. I don't want to say never, but uh, I've gone like uh, maybe, maybe 10, 12 months. Well, almost 12 months, about, about 11 months without a drink. And I, I've never felt better. That, that, it's a really similar process that I went through. Um, I was, I haven't talked about this a lot, but I was, I'm, I'm sure self-medicating with alcohol, not like where I would, I would, you know, sit in, sit in my living room and drink. But when I was doing things socially, I would use that as like mm. an excuse to, as you've said, go to extremes. And, um, what, what ended up happening is like, as, as I started getting busier, it was like, I was like taking myself out of commission the next day, or I would be <laughs> such an, such a like far inferior version of myself. I almost didn't even recognize the person that I was when I was hung over, you know, like just, just this, I don't know, zombie like creature dragging throughout the day that was like exhausted an hour after I woke up. And, um, and I start, I tried a number of different things to cut back. Um, I even got a book on, um, I went on Amazon and ordered like this book that, um, Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith wrote the, the intro for, um, that was, it was basically like 12 steps. It was weaving some of the, the AA things into it. Um, but I needed something to like kind of break the patterns that, that I had allowed myself to develop. And I, you know, I was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins things and, um, you know, personal power, um, one and two. And I was like, I started by, I cut way back on how much I was putting myself in situations where I would be drinking. And then I was, um, you know, Tony Robbins talked a lot about pattern interrupts. I'm like, yeah, that's what I need. I need some pattern interrupts. Cause like, I would get in like, I would get in go mode. I'd get a cocktail in my hand and then it was like shots. And then it was like, (laughs) there's like no point where I didn't have something in my hand, you know? And, uh, and it wasn't anything to be proud of, but I could have like 10 drinks and, um, still be like 
fully functional and somewhat normal, you know, or at least yeah. I, I thought I was. And then when I started saying like, okay, I, I, I no shots allowed. Cause that's just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that pattern pretty fast. And then I was like, okay, I need to have a, a water or two waters in between every drink. So it started out as one water between every drink. Then I was like, I need to, I'm drinking the water too fast. And then I was like, so there was like two waters. And, um, and then you also get the added pattern interrupt of uh, going to the bathroom, you know? So it, <laughs> it was just like, it, it was, it was awareness. Like we've been talking yeah. about throughout this whole yeah. conversation. I, I had to create pauses in my night for me to think like, am I fucked up? <laughs> Should, do, I, do I actually want another drink? Well, is this, is this drink going to uh, make me a better version of myself or is it going to, you know, make me a worse version of myself? And this isn't just now that I'm talking about, this is also, this includes tomorrow, right? Like there was an interview that, um, Tim Ferriss did with Richard Branson and uh, the, of, of, you know, the Virgin companies. And he was talking about a quote that he, he'd heard where um, like drinking alcohol is just like borrowing happiness from, you know, the next day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Richard Branson talked about how like, that's one of the things that, you know, when he, when he cuts it out, um, it, it's what's afforded him his energy, even in his, um, you know, in his, slightly more advanced age, um, you know, he's still crushing it in, in, oh, yeah. in, 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 in every, uh, you know, in, in every way. And it's because he's like, he said that they were celebrating something and, uh, he drank an amount that would have, that made the, the, you know, the hangover look like a children's film. And uh, <laughs> he woke up the next day and like, could not function, you know, it was yeah. just like, like a lot of us that have, probably drank to access at some time in our life of experience where you're just like incapacitated the next morning. And he was like, I I can't do this. I have too much going on to let myself come to this. And, um, and you know, when, when he's done that, he's gone off of it for, you know, two months, six months, even a year. And, um, he's noticed his mood is better. His energy is better. I've had a similar experience. It sounds like you've had a similar experience. Mm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and you touched on the social situations and I too would not really drink alone. Um, but I, I was not comfortable being in social situations unless I was shit faced. You know, that was the only way I could, I could even be comfortable in those situations. Uh, but for me, like looking back on it, what was really going on is well, I was just not comfortable with myself. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to <laughs> getting back to self-expression. I did not know how to authentically express myself. So I would just fall into it. Um, but now I, I love being in social situations and having a glass of water with some lime in it, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and just having, having great conversations and being okay with it, uh, with everything that's going on around me. I mean, it, it's, it's still, it's even more awesome now than it ever has been before. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great tip too, is, you know, making like a, 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 a thaw drink that <laughs> looks like yeah. a cocktail, but isn't. And it just, it alleviates so much of that social pressure where it's like, where's your drink? Where's your drink? You know? <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's exactly. It's more for them than it is. It's, it's more for them than it is for me because they, I noticed people, if I didn't have a drink, people would be uncomfortable. They would feel automatically judged. So I didn't want that to happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll, just get a, I'll just get some water and uh, you know, some lime and it looks like a vodka soda. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, pain, mm. physical pain. You know, we've talked, we've talked a bit about, um, 
emotional pain. And, uh, but one of your gifts is, is helping people who have been dealing with chronic back pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, um, take their life back. And you have a really cool program, um, called the sitting solution, but let, let's kind of go back to when you started having epiphanies, um, on that, you know, that, that like what we were doing, what you were seeing in PT and, um, wasn't, wasn't working as well as it, it could. Mm -hmm. What were some observations? Well, that was, that was when, like I mentioned, that was when a lot of things started changing for me, but because I was able to sit with these people and have conversations with them over and over and over again, you know, we would, I would see these patients, uh, two, three times a week. So I get a sense of what their life was like. And I would observe how they moved and how they carried themselves. And I noticed their postures kind of breaking down. You know, the, the classic kind of forward head, the rounded shoulders, the rounded mm-hmm. spine, mm-hmm. Uh, this compromised pelvic position. Um, sort of seeing similarities in all these people. And I was also learning about, you know, at the same time about food and how our food was affecting our health in a lot of ways. And I started to really get that the, the environment that we've been living in and the modern world is nothing like our ancestors lived in, you know? So, I mean, from the very get-go, when we're children, uh, when we're five years old, we're told to sit in a chair and be still and be quiet and just listen, but like sit in a chair. And then it stays that way. Like, you know, eight hours a day uh, up until like, you know, high school, college, after college, we go to work and, and it's not just in those environments, but we sit on the couch, we sit in our cars and, uh, we, we sit like, even when we work out, <laughs> when we ride a bike, <laughs> you know? So over time, uh, you, you, what we notice is that the body adapts to the environment that it's in and the structure of our body changes. So, you know, when I did the home health physical therapy, I would observe people in their later, uh, parts of life completely hunched over a walker because of living in this, what I call a flexion based society where, um, you know, flexion is kind of what I'm referring to that forward head, rounded shoulder, rounded spine posture. We're always moving in that direction. We're staying in that direction and the body adapts to the tissue changes. The, the muscles in the front, like around the pec area get shortened. The muscles around the, <clears throat> the, the, the back part of the shoulders get very lengthened. The hip flexors get very tight. The glutes get very weak. The ankles lose mobility. The, the knees become unstable. The hips become very tight. Uh, the thoracic spine loses mobility, the shoulders lose mobility, the head starts to creep forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, it's like if you imagine yourself holding a bowling ball in your, in your, you know, you're holding a bowling ball, but you prop it up where your elbows on the bottom and your hands on the top, and you, you could balance the bowling ball very nicely if it was aligned. But as soon as you hold the bowling ball and you start cocking your wrist forward, the, the stress that it's causing to your forearm would get and more and more and more. And like what we're doing in our society is because of that posture, we're causing so much stress to the muscles at the base of our skull and also, uh, you know, our shoulders, our spine. This is how we have herniated and bulging discs. This is why uh, people tear their labrums and their shoulders and, and their hips. This is why people have bad knees and need knee replacements. It's, it's kind of what I see as the root cause of all these physical many of the physical issues we have, it's not because of trauma. Like most of the patients I saw in the clinic, it's not because they got in a car accident. It's not because they played some sport on the weekend and got hurt. Like 99% of these people just sit all day at their office and they're injured. Just kind of think about that. 
they're injured because they sit all day because we're not meant to sit still at a desk and not move. And then all of a sudden try to get up and go walk or put something above our head. Right. We're meant to be out in nature, crawling, picking things up, carrying like strong warriors, like doing things. That's who we're meant to be, but we're not, we're not doing that in our current environment. So the sitting solution is my attempt to not only create awareness around that, but to rectify the situation and to help people who are still working in those, in those environments. Um, but essentially what it, what the program is about is getting first teaching you how to stand and how to sit because they're, those are kind of primary, but getting you to avoid long periods of stagnation. So I encourage people to get up every 30 to 45 minutes and move for a period of two to four minutes. And that's going to offset the kind of the chemical issues that come along with sitting because there's just incredible amount of studies out there that show you that, you know, when you're sitting for long periods and, and I'm referring to like more than six hours a day, uh, specific enzymes, lipoprotein lipase that uh, distributes or, or clears your, your bloodstream of fat. Um, you stop, you stop producing that by I think up to like 90%. So it, sitting affects your cholesterol levels, increases your risk for heart disease. Uh, it affects your hormones. I mean, it's fascinating what's going on with our, with our body position and our posture, but, uh, there's a great, a great Ted talk by a woman named Amy Cuddy. Uh, she's from Harvard, but they did some studies on body position and found that those who were kind of in that slumped kind of, you know, forward head rounded shoulder position that I'm talking about, their hormones change. Um, testosterone goes down, cortisol goes up. So we're creating an environment for disease to sit in. Um, and on the contrary, for people who are holding more of a strong, confident position, a strong posture, uh, we see the opposite happen. Testosterone goes up, cortisol goes down, but it's all based on perception. It affects how others see us, and it also affects how we, we see ourselves. So posture matters in a big way, like alignment matters in a big way. So I mentioned the, the two to four minute period. What the sitting solution is at the heart of it is getting you to move in intentional directions during those two to four minutes so you can offset the negative effects of sitting, like that forward head and rounded shoulder. So the solution is really move the other direction. So like that forward head, I encourage people to start retracting. You know, uh, the internally rotated shoulders, you want to externally rotate them. The thoracic spine that's kind of flexed forward, you want to start extending it. You want to extend the hip. You want to do ankle mobility. You want to gyrate and move. Um, but that's the idea is to just to basically offset that negative adaptation and to, uh, well, the results are you feel better. Uh, you have less pain because we're getting to the root issue and uh, longevity is, is dramatically improved. You know, I, I want people standing up right when they're, <laughs> when they're 100 years old and not using a walker like I saw my patients. And that's available to them, but we just have to be aware of, of what's happening in this culture the same way with movement in the same way that we are becoming more aware of what's happening with like sugar and toxic fats and uh, some of these modern grains. You know, it's mm -hmm. the same way with movement, moving intentionally. Um, because like I, like I mentioned, posture is a, is a big, big deal. Yeah, I, I agree. And so for someone listening who knows they're sitting well over six hours a day um, and they're like, okay, that's, that's good advice. I like that. I want to get up and do something every 30 to 45 minutes. Um, if, they, if they could only do one thing, you know, let's say they set an alarm um, for every 30 minutes or every 45 minutes, that alarm goes off. What's the one thing they do? What's the one movement? 
So I would have them do a, what's called a crucifix stretch. So if, if, you're, if you're standing right now, uh, go ahead and, and stand on up. Put your, put your feet forward, um, feet together. Um, and then go ahead and lock your legs straight and squeeze your glutes. So that, that when you squeeze, squeeze your glutes, that automatically sets your pelvis to a neutral position and mm-hmm. it inhibits your, your psoas muscle. Mm-hmm. That's the intention of that. And go ahead and stand tall with your hands to your side, thumbs pointing forward. That's mm-hmm. really important too. Uh, but stand tall with your chin parallel to the ground. And from that position, you're going to bring your arms out to the side with your thumbs pointing backwards. Mm-hmm. And you're going to bring, draw your hands behind your torso. So bring them behind you. Mm-hmm. And as you do this, like opening up the opening up the chest and shoulder, and I even feel a little bit in the in the biceps, like a bicep stretch. Yes, yes, exactly. So all those muscles that are tight, we're expressing extension there. And, and am all I, the muscle. Am I trying to squeeze the shoulder blades together as well? Yes, squeeze the shoulder blades together, and while you're doing this, keep squeezing the glutes, keep the legs locked straight. So, and what you want to do here is. Um, Open up the chest. So almost extend, you know, really bring the chest up. So you're the thoracic spine, that mid back that's always slumping forward, try to extend it and open it up. Right. The other thing you want to do is draw your head backwards. You're not looking up. You're, you continue to look forward, but just retract it backwards with that movement. Right, so you're kind of making a double chin there, and you're extending all those segments in your spine that were previously flexed. Oh, that feels good. It's kind of yeah, hard. Might, it's challenging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, because it, it's 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 open. It's it's opening up the things that are tight, and it's it's uh, contracting the things that are they're inhibited and weak. Sound like such um, a wuss. I'm like, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're standing, well, man. You're standing. Yeah. What's well, it's, it's an act of mobilization. So a lot of the times you're breaking through restriction. So some of those things, like people will be like, ah, oh, it kind of hurts. I'm like, good, you're doing it right. <laughs> you know, um, that's, and that's I, great. I like that. The crucifix stretch. Yeah. And I have that on YouTube too. I have lots of movements that people can try on YouTube. Yeah. Um, when, when people want to check out your stuff on YouTube, what's, uh, where, how do they do that? How do they find you? Just put in sitting solution on YouTube and, uh, you'll see, we have a, have a private channel or not it's ever open to everybody, but, um, there's 31 videos on there where I talk about a lot of this stuff and show you. So I have some great videos on how to fix neck pain, how to fix uh, like shoulder pain, um, you know, things to do for the back. Um, a lot, lots of really cool things that I picked up over the years that are, are really helpful. Nice, I love it. Now I've noticed I have a tendency to get if I'm going to get tight, it's in one of two places. It's in my psoas, like those abdominal muscles that run on both sides of uh, the belly button, kind of up and down, and. Um, and like, I need to either get on a, get on a kettlebell, like the handle of a 70 pound kettlebell, or I've got this thing called a, an orbit, I think, or it's something like that, like an orbit or an orbit. I'll, I'll find it and link to it in the show notes. But like my workout yesterday, I was at the gym and I was doing heavy dumbbell bench press. And then in between sets while I rested, I was doing, you know, trigger point work, myofascial release. So I was getting on this orbits and like basically just laying on it and dropping, draping my body over it, chest down. Um, so that, that, that anterior side of my body was, was towards the ground, but this ball was working into my psoas and it's like one of those hurt so good type feelings, (laughs) super painful, but 
when it's painful like that, you also have, like, I've come to realize that that's what you need. And, um, for me, if I notice I'm, I'm kind of taking on that, that rounded body position, that, you know, anterior rotation, a lot of times I need to either loosen up my psoas or I need to loosen up my glutes specifically like the piriformis and the, and the QL, um, with lacrosse ball. Do you, have you found a pattern with yourself of like, if you're tight, if, if, if you're, um, noticing any type of pain, it, it, it tends to originate from, um, you know, a specific area. Um, well, so first I'll say like, I don't feel any pain. Um, and that, that just, that just comes from me, uh, kind of being a student of all this stuff and, and applying it to myself. Uh, so I feel very good and I don't, I don't feel any pain, but the uh, areas where I'm always watching out for, uh, and making sure that I am in alignment are, is that, is that upper segment where like the traps are the mm-hmm. levator, um, because, and, and just making sure that I'm not holding any tension in there. You know, so I'm, I'm staying aware of that as, as I'm talking to people all the time, um, just because I, I don't want that to be an area that absorbs like uh, really tight energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and how much of this, you know, this forward rotation or anterior rotation um, as, as the, the mobility nerds um, like us mm-hmm. would refer to it, how much of that is due to uh, the imbalance between pushing movements and pulling movements, you know, as guys like, Oh yeah, I probably did like a thousand sets of bench press to every like 150 sets of any back exercise when I was in <laughs> you know, like junior high and high school. So there was this huge imbalance. Cause like you want, you know, you want to look strong and have a, a, a thick wide chest. Um, maybe not a thick chest, but really a wide chest. Like it, how much of this has to do with that or are there other factors involved? Oh, I think, I think it has a whole lot to do with that for sure. I mean, uh, one of the things I always talk about is how in this conventional world, we've, uh, really appreciated the muscles that we see in the front, right? And you go to the gym and they got mirrors so you can look at yourself in the front. So naturally we're focused more on the, the anterior side, the shoulders, the anterior shoulders, the biceps, uh, the chest, the abs, you know, mm-hmm. the quads, but, um, and, but those muscles are already tight and shortened because of this sitting posture the muscles that we're neglecting the ones in the back on the posterior side are often the ones that are uh, are weak and inhibited and then need most of our attention in order to stand up so it's incredibly important so for a lot, for a lot of people to start off they, they may need to do like a, a one to two ratio of posterior exercises to answer exercises to balance mm. this out and to superset that you know so like uh, i'm a big fan of like you know, if I'm doing anything pushing, I'll superset it with a pull. If I'm doing a horizontal pull, I'll do a, or a horizontal push, I'll, I'll, I'll superset it with a horizontal pull just to keep myself in balance. Uh, if I'm doing a hip flexion movement, I'll, I'll balance it with a hip extension movement. And that way, it, it sort of just naturally uh, trains me to uh, create balance in the, in the body. You know, I think, I think it's incredibly important. But I also do think there are other factors involved too. There's no doubt about it because uh, we've... I mentioned the neurological map in terms of movement. Many of us, because we've been moving in that way, working the anterior muscles and sitting, we've forgotten how to move. We've forgotten how to carry ourselves in a natural posture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when we talk, when we walk, we do so out of alignment. You know, um, It wouldn't be a problem if we were in nature. We would, we would naturally find it, but we become so distracted 
especially in this modern world <laughs> where we have phones and we're typing and texting and doing all these things, we forget. You know, yeah, so rounded and hunched over those. <laughs> I'll, I'll even catch myself at the end of a long day, and it's like I'm, I'm, I've got my head like a foot away from my monitor, and I'm rounded over like some gargoyle of the future, and. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you have to be like, you have to bring that awareness. Like a lot of people have asked what, you know, what they can do to improve their posture. And I'm like, there's probably a whole bunch of shortcuts, you know, Chad, Chad Walding probably has some better answers than I do there. For me, I had to correct my posture about 200 times a day. And then yes. like six months later, it was like a hundred times a day. And then six months after that, it was like 50 times a day, you know, until, until your default is to stand up tall and then, you occasionally catch yourself out of alignment rather than the other way around. Yes. You, yes, exactly. You have to bring conscious awareness to it until it becomes unconscious. Oh, this is, this is great stuff. Um, Chad, someone who's dealing with pain, if they can only do one thing, like you've talked about food. I think, I think that's huge instrumental in decreasing inflammation, the alcohol, the grains. And then for some people, uh, the dairy, um, if there was one other thing that you've seen, oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to tee up an easy answer. I want this to be a good one. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if there was one other thing that someone dealing with pain could do once they've cut that stuff out. So like someone listening, if those things are still a regular part of your diet and you're dealing with pain, I'm not, we're not saying you need to stop having fun or you need to stop drinking. You know, this is your life. You can do whatever, but you want to be aware of the connection that those things may have. Um, mm -hmm. What's the next move if, if they've addressed that? So, uh, so the next move would be to start restoring movement patterns. That's really important. Um, and okay. to, like, if you're dealing with something really acute, I, I'm always going to recommend that people go see a good physical therapist or chiropractor because sometimes external pressure, like immobilization is what is most needed. So mm -hmm. if you're there, then, then that's, that's probably the place you should go. And I do recommend you see a good one because there's, there's variations out there for sure. How do you find uh, a good one? So for what I would recommend people do is, is look, a, look up a McKenzie therapist or a selective functional movement assessment therapist. So SFMA is something you can Google and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find a list of practitioners there. You can also look up uh, the McKinsey method and you'll find a list of practitioners who are certified in that as well. Both of them are really good. The selective functional movement assessment specialists are the ones you want to go to to really nail down your movement. They're going to look at how you move and uh, teach you why you hurt because of the movement pattern. They'll address it appropriately. The McKinsey people are really, really good for addressing some of the more acute spinal issues like uh, radiating pain down the, the, the arms, you know, neck pain, uh, radiating pain down the legs, back pain, that kind of stuff. So they're both great for different reasons. And that's where I've gone through a lot of my education were, were from both of those, those people. So um, outside of that, though, what I recommend people do is start to get um, more familiar with the ground because the ground can teach you a lot because it gives you immediate biofeedback. So mm -hmm. getting on the ground and doing exercises on the ground is a great place to start. So for what that can look like is, uh, starting with a bridge, you know, where you're, you have your feet, uh, just under your hips, you're laying on your back and you work on rotating your pelvis. You kind of imagine a bowl of soup on the front part of your pelvis below your belly button, but imagine a bowl of soup being tilted towards you. 
and you're tilting that pelvis and raising your sacrum, your tailbone off the ground, and segment by segment, raising up your body off the ground until everything is lifted and you're squeezing your glutes at the top. Like that's a very, very simple thing that people can do because um, it's, it's so easy, right? And that activates the glutes and it restores that natural movement pattern in terms of segment by segment up the spine. And by activating the glutes, you naturally inhibit the, the tight hip flexors, right? So you're restoring some of the natural posture and, and, and the, the movement patterns that need to be appropriate there. And you can just roll over and do a plank. So from, 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 your, from your elbows and your feet, you know, go ahead and, and lift up and do a plank the right way. So uh, have your feet together, lift your body off the ground, lock your legs straight, squeeze your glutes really tight. Imagine someone's punching you in the stomach and bring your belly button towards your spine. Bring your elbows, like pull your elbows towards your hips. So you're actually activating everything on the anterior side. And while you're doing that, hold that strong, strong contraction and, and focus on, and go ahead, rotate your neck side to side. So you learn how to breathe through your body and your neck as you hold that stabilization, right? And just hold it for about 10 to 15 seconds and then roll back over again and do a bridge. Same thing. Just do, just do like four to five sets of that, you know, 10 bridges, 10 to 20 second plank right there. And that can be a fact, you can do that no matter who you are. If you're a high level athlete going to the Olympics or you're just getting started and you want to get out of pain, those are appropriate for everybody. It's kind of like flossing your teeth or brushing your teeth, you know? It's just good, good body hygiene to activate the anterior and posterior side. And it wakes up all those muscles so that you can go and, and, and move better in this world. Move it or lose it. Move, Move it or, or lose, lose it, it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is great stuff, Chad. This has been amazing for um, for people that want you to walk them through this stuff step by step. Um, tell us a little bit about Sitting Solution and where they can check that out. Yeah, so Sitting Solution is uh, like I mentioned. You can go to YouTube and get a lot of free videos there. Um, but we also have an, an amazing program. I mean, the program is like everything I learned as a physical therapist, as a coach, all put into one like life's work and uh it has i think like 70 videos and it's probably like 150 60 page book that we put together uh and it's awesome i mean and we have different exercise programs uh for different people in every workspace scenario so people that you know uh work at home we are a little more aggressive in terms of what you can do like getting on the floor and whatnot but people who may work at a cubicle like in a conventional nine to five job we have some things that are appropriate there as well, like complete programs where you just follow the program and then you click a button and then you do a workout with me and you could just, you could just do it, do it from your phone, but you can uh, follow along with me until you're, you're independent with it. Um, and uh, we teach you a lot to do with like resistance bands and stuff because re resistance bands are something that are very easy that you can put in your pocket and take with you to your, to your office. And it's a very, very simple thing to do and it, you can travel with it. Um, so you can, you can find out about that book by going to our website, sittingsolution.com. There's a link there at the top where you can go. You'll see, you'll see like a sales page and it'll be like, you know, kind of, uh, copy oriented where it's like trying to sell you something, but it, it is trying to sell you something because it's good. <laughs> uh, but you just kind of, you can, you can purchase there and, uh, you can start doing it immediately. Uh, it's awesome. It's really good. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, other places where people can stay in touch with things you're working on and cool stuff you're coming out with. Yeah, so probably the best place 
because I'm always putting out content every day. And it's typically a lot of the stuff that we talked about earlier in terms of conscious awareness and uh, growing in that way. And you can find me on my personal Facebook page. It's not full yet, but it's getting close. But I also have a public fan page, drchadwalding.com. Either one of those are fine. And you can always, uh, excuse me, truck's driving by. Uh, but you can always message me if you have any questions. I, I do get a, a lot of messages. Um, but I try to address them all eventually. And uh, usually if you comment, I'm, I'm a lot quicker. If you comment on one of the posts, I'm a lot quicker to, to address that. Awesome. SittingSolution.com and uh, DrChadWalding.com on Facebook? Yeah, just uh, Dr. Chad Walding. Dr. Or, or, yeah, or Chad Walding. Yeah, either one is fine. Beautiful. Chad, this has been a lot of fun, man. And uh, you dropped some knowledge bombs and we covered <laughs> a lot, a, a lot of different uh, areas, but I think it's all great. And I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about uh, as I finish up work for today, going and diving into this meditation. Um, oh, awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is good stuff. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate you hanging out. It's been awesome. Oh, dude, well, thank you so much for having me on. Like I mentioned, I, I really appreciate you and what you're doing and all the enthusiasm you bring to, to everything. So I know that, that carries out into the world and you're impacting a lot of people in very positive ways. And uh, just for everybody who's listening, um, get inspired by Anthony, man. Keep doing it. <laughs> keep, keep, keep doing awesome things in your own life. And uh, we're going we're gonna to transform society. We are. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Have a great one. Okay, you too. This episode is brought to you by the Earth Pulse PEMF Sleep on Command device. If you're looking for better sleep, enhanced mitochondrial function, improved performance, and accelerated recovery, I highly recommend you check out the Earth Pulse. Within the first week of sleeping on my Earth Pulse, I was seeing improved exercise performance, delayed onset of fatigue, I noticed more energy during my workouts, and I was able to break the three-minute mark on a static breath hold. I now sleep on my Earth Pulse PEMF, which stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field device every single night. I have the one that has two coils. One goes under your pillow, one goes under your mattress, and I take it with me when I travel. I don't leave home without it. Every time I use my Earth Pulse, I wake up feeling clearer, calmer, and more energized. And I can tell the difference if I skip using it for a few nights. What's even cooler is it's incredibly easy to use. I just put it in manual mode, set it to 9.6 hertz, and about 15 minutes before my alarm is going to go off, and that's it. It's very easy, just a couple buttons, and the performance-enhancing benefits are profound. To learn more about the Earth Pulse and check out some of the scientific literature, you can go to biohackingsecrets.com forward slash Earth Pulse. That's biohackingsecrets.com forward slash E-A-R-T-H-P-U-L-S-E.